From Potomac Fund Management, this is the Conquer Risk Podcast. Join us as we discuss the business of running an RIA firm and the practice of investment management. And now, our hosts. Welcome to the Conquer Risk Podcast. My name is Manish Kata, and with me, I have Jeff Goodnow. How are you, sir? I am doing phenomenally well. Awesome. We, um, we want to talk about something this week called business intelligence. Let me cue this up for, for everyone. Jeff and I both have spent the majority of our uh, working careers uh, handling financial advisors, working with financial advisors, and so we have a pretty good sense of, of that side of the business. Now, we haven't necessarily been financial advisors ourselves, but we've worked with them in many capacities. And, and one thing that's, that stood out is we have this innate ability to tell within the first couple minutes of a conversation, you know, what advisors are successful and what aren't. A lot of that comes down to organization and having uh, their data in line. And business intelligence is that, right? It's the ability to dig deep into your business and understand the metrics of everything that's involved in your practice. Uh, what do you have to say about this topic, Jeff? Yeah, you know, it's it's funny because one of the, the phrases that that I, I, I really don't like because it usually has a bad connotation is unintended consequence, right? I mean, think about it. That phrase never comes up when it's something good. Uh, but that's the way a lot of advisors end up. Their practice comes together and they're making decisions really with that in mind, the unintended consequence. They don't really know the details of their book or if they try to market what what's going on so so that's what we're really talking about your business intelligence to me means I want to have good data on on my book analytics on my book on my practice so that I can determine hey do I have a concentration in a certain place or you know there's a lot of different things that we're gonna go through and talk about that will end up allowing you if you have good business intelligence to make better decisions about your business that's what business intelligence is all about yeah and and also occasionally to value your business, right? You have no idea what your biggest, your biggest asset is likely your practice. Absolutely. And so many advisors I talk to have zero idea what that's even worth. And so as you're doing financial planning for yourself, um, you have not the slightest clue what your business is worth. So let's, let's dive through some of the points that we think are important. Um, and, and, you know, hopefully people can get some uh, good information out of here. Yeah, sure enough. So I'm going to fire some questions at you, and and let's see what we where we end up. Um, so let's talk about first, like the most obvious is how how do you think or what do you think about business growth and using business intelligence to define business growth or, you know, unfortunately sometimes business decline. Yeah. So years ago, I calculated once over a five year average how much Potomac was losing in assets. Uh, just from attrition, you know, clients uh, unfortunately pass away or leave, find another investment, another advisor. There's a lot of reasons why um, you have attrition, and, and it ended up being about, on average, 12 percent. I'm sorry, I <laughs> take that back. 12 million a year uh, that just poof went away, and that little stat, you know, it plays a lot, right? So depending on the size of your business, you know, you have to address that in terms of new flows, or or else you're just gonna end up with no clients. And so, you know, it, you have to know the, the um, number of accounts that are coming in and out, the demographics of your business. I guarantee you, gun to head at the next conference, if I say, what percentage of your clients are over 90? Can, can an advisor say that in the first 
10 seconds of I can, you know, because we have that intelligence. But but I'm, I'm guessing most advisors can't. Um, you know, what percentage of your clients are under 40? You know, if you're sitting here trying to solve for a tech problem, but all your clients are 95 and above, like th these things matter, right? So it's, uh, it, 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 you have to have these, these, uh, these data points. Yeah, that's a great one because we've, we've addressed in other podcasts, right? The, the changing of the client experience and the expectations of the client experience. And that's, that's really valid right up to the point where if your, your business is made up of clients who aren't even going to touch a, a Facebook or, or excuse me, a, a FaceTime or something like that to talk to the grandkids, then, you know, that point's moot, right? You, you, your, your expectation of your clients isn't changing. But um, all right, so let's move on just a little bit. Kind of the next step, I think, from growth is uh, growth or decline. And looking at those analytics is how do you actually measure it? You, for me, you'd be shocked at how many times I talk to advisors and they have assets kind of all over the place and don't really know a graceful way to at one stop click and go, oh, okay, I've got twenty-seven million dollars. Yeah. You have to obviously know, you know, your your total AUM and where that is, especially if you're an AUM based advisor. Um, but more importantly, you know, I I think it's important to understand where your growth is coming from. Last year, for example, hey, the last ten years, for example, if you are uh, in an S and P five hundred type of portfolio or whatever you may be, you know, you've done pretty well. And but have you grown at all from client acquisitions? Is it just market growth? Because market growth can come and go, and so your business needs to be set up for for both of those. And you should be able to easily tell what your asset growth was from from the market or decline, and what your client um, acquisition growth was as well. Yeah, there's another piece to that which I think is interesting, kind of like the uh, you know the effect of the market. Uh, something that most people don't think about can have effect, especially if you're practice is a little bit older in demographics. Is what effect are distributions having? on the AUM growth or decline, right? Do you have a graceful way to be able to see that, you know, heck, a hundred grand is going out a month in AUM just because, you know, a bunch of clients have RMDs and distributions and all those kinds of things. Uh, so you, I think that's a great opportunity to, to be able to have um, some sort of a measurement on the ins and outs of where AUM is coming from and going to. Uh, speaking of AUM analytics, you know, this is a question that came up from one of our good advisors as, as she was uh, doing some transitioning and so forth, is the comprehension that sometimes not everything is available at one custodian for whatever reason. Maybe there's something exclusive or, or whatever, and you end up with dollars at different custodians. So can you speak to, to measuring that scenario, right? You have money at different custodians. What's that really look like and how does that maybe affect your, your practice? Yeah, it's it's less about the custodians and more about just the, the analytics of where your AUM is. The custodian's a big part of that, right? No matter what happens as you grow, you're going to end up with with money in different places. That's just how advisory practices grow. Um, but also with managers and, and different styles of managers, it's important to have that dashboard snapshot to know where exactly your AUM is. And this sounds stupid, right? You would think that everyone would immediately know that, but it gets it gets a little difficult if, you're, if your practice is, is all over the place. Um, and so it, it, knowing exactly the breakdown of your book of business, uh, is vital to, to making decisions. Well, yeah, that's uh, that's good. Uh, one of the things that I was impressed with, we, we, uh, part of our new tool uh, that we use has some notifications. Can you speak to that and, and what benefits notifications can have on, you know, on AUM as an example, we'll just use that as an easy one. 
Yeah, if certain clients cross certain thresholds, you know, just to say thank you for the business, we appreciate it. You've reached a milestone. Uh, people reaching uh, reaching certain thresholds in terms of being on path of retirement plan, whatever it may be, you can set up notifications for yourself. And this is tool specific, but even if you 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 don't have a tool, you know, whatever you use, you know, being able to set reminders based on some of these analytics, you know, that that's that's the holy grail of of BI is 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 having actionable data and, and taking action on it. So, Yeah, it goes right back to making better business decisions. And, and on that note, one of the things that as I take the OCIO function and, and help advisors use different strategists and their models, one of the things that I look at in this category is how much money do you have with each manager and in each strategy? Um, sometimes it's a matter of just having a backup plan, right? You may have a great relationship with a number of strategists, but you know, look, sometimes stuff happens. It's not a bad thing to understand that, okay, I'm getting to where my own personal threshold is. I don't really want to put more money with that particular strategist. I'd like to start building another relationship so that I have a, a, another, you know, another source for that well, same thing. I mean, that's, this is the that's only way, awesome. Oh, without, yeah. yeah. Without measuring, you wouldn't know. I mean, you just guess and go, well, I love these guys. That's great. But, you know, look, you and I have both been around the block long enough to see that sometimes shit hits the fan. And uh, there are firms that aren't here that we thought were decent firms, you know? I mean, it, it does sometimes happen, so. Yeah, you, ha you have to diversify, and there comes a point in time where, you know, you need to know where, what managers you have your money at to, to make that decision. Because uh, no matter what, no matter the amount of strategies a certain manager has, you know, it's, it's the same committee making decisions just with different flavors, right? They still believe in the same things. So you should never have all your money with, with any one person. And, and these type of analytics helps you make, help you make that decision for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let's move on to another step. And that's, you know, we've talked just a little bit about demographics in one, one form. Uh, but let's speak to demographics in relation to marketing. And because you work more on the marketing side than I do, uh, just in, in kind of directing traffic there. Uh, help us understand what effects can can be had there. Yeah, I, you have to have a target audience, and so the target target audience starts with two things: what are your current clients? You know, what age group are they in? Um, and as that's one point of demographics, and and what you want to go after. And and like I said earlier, I think a lot of folks probably don't even know the breakdown of their their age groups when it comes to their their current clients. So a lot of times you make these marketing decisions in a vacuum, not knowing exactly what audience you're going after. Just a simple a simple example is. You know, if you're going after Facebook, for example, and you want to do ads on Facebook, you know, that's a certain demographic that does really well, 50 to 90 year olds, but, you know, doesn't do so well with, you know, 20 to 40 year olds if you're coming up and, and trying to sell, um, uh, you know, millennial products or whatever it may be. So you, you have to know the breakdown of your current clients to figure out what type of marketing you want to go after um, uh, for new clients. Right. And, and, you know, the, the location can be an impact as well. Uh, I know a number of advisors that have, you know, interestingly enough, as an example, I know one advisor that's headquartered out of Nebraska that has another contingency of business that's in Hollywood. Now, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't think that those two would ever be connected in any form or fashion, but they are. And so understanding, being able to run analytics and see how much business growth is coming from one spot versus the other. And, you know, is the marketing that I'm doing actually working? Am I, am I seeing results from the efforts I'm putting in are only available if you have some business analytics or business intelligence to, to serve that purpose. So uh, one of the things that, uh, again, uh, this came in a conversation with another top advisor. 
business valuation. Let's let's talk about that and, and what what kind of frequency or situation you can end up with if you don't have good business intelligence. Well, I mean, it, good businesses prepare for the future themselves, right? So you and I talk about, you know, buy, sell and insurance, whether you want to uh, bring in a junior advisor into the future, you have to have ongoing valuation, not only for your own retirement, but for the succession of your business. And the number one thing that they're going to ask you when they do this valuation is, do you have the intelligence for us to properly value? And 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 you can get granular and, and, and say, fine, I'm just going to do, you know, whatever times revenue. But true valuations really uh, come down to more than that and, and, and the actual intelligence behind your practice. Yeah, that's a, it, that, that's perfect. Um, you know, two extremes. I, I'm talking with one person who has basically 22 families or excuse me, 30, about 35 families. And it's about $22 million, right? Clearly, those are pretty sizable relationships for each and every one. You know, I, I know another advisor who has a really solid business, but they're in a smaller town. And so they have hundreds upon hundreds of clients and households because you know what? They, they have a lot of smaller relationships. So understanding what your average account size is and that household relationship, I think that, you know, look, the revenue could be the, exactly the same between the two as an example. But in this deal, if you were trying to buy one of those practices, wouldn't you want to know whether it's 35 households or 300? Yeah, I mean, that make a absolutely. huge difference. So, yep. All right. Um, I think the last thing we want to talk about as far as business intelligence is really taking a look at, at performance of models and combinations and, and how any sort of insight into performance on a global level can be a benefit. Um, fire away. Yeah, businesses out there pay thousands and thousands of dollars, large businesses for things like Aladdin and uh, higher level analytics that, that dive down into you know, what pockets of your business are performing well or performing bad. And the reason it's important to your point earlier is if you have over-concentration in certain areas, you need to be able to, to pinpoint performance measurements across the different strategies you use at a 30,000-foot level. And, and the reason I say that is advisors typically are so focused on a client-by-client -client basis or a program-by-program -program basis, they never take a step back and say, how is this affecting uh, my total book of business in terms of the manager allocations and, and how well or how poorly they're doing? Yeah, it, this is a good example when we were showing someone uh, uh, the, the process of business intelligence and how to use it to your advantage. Uh, interestingly enough, right, sometimes just things happen. I mean, nobody's perfect. But at a glance, looking at performance on a global scale, there was a list of households and you could see this one outlier that was in this case it'd be great if it was true but it was like plus two thousand percent you know in three months right well clearly no one has had that kind of performance and so you know without the client ever even realizing it the advisor was able to see and this was during a training session but we were able to see oh wait a minute something clearly is not set up right Right, so what a deal, right? You can set up a recurring process to just take a quick look, right? Glance and see if you see any outliers, and for whatever reason, then you have an opportunity to address them before uh, there's client impact. So, just a cool little little uh, example in that scenario. So let's let's wrap this up. I mean, what do you have from a conclusion standpoint um, in regards to business intelligence? You know, it's just important for for advisors to to take the first step if you haven't. 
And we're more than happy to show you our tool that we use. Uh, we'll put Jennifer's calendar in the um, show notes. Book a time with her. She'll walk you through the intelligence that we gather. Uh, we don't gather everything, of course. We have certain metrics that we think are important. Uh, she'll walk you through that. And, and you know, maybe you can uh, take that and, and try to go back to your own software tool to figure out if, if you can uh, extract the same data. It's just important um, once a year, once a quarter to sit down and, and worry about yourself, right? Advisors spend a lot of time worrying about their clients, but very few uh, of them spend enough time worrying about their own future. Yeah. Um, another one of my infamous good noisms is, and I usually use this when I'm trying to help someone not feel quite so bad about something that's happened, but you can only make a decision based on the information that you know at the time. Well, business intelligence is all about giving you more information so that when you do make that decision, it's not a shitty one. <laughs> it's, it's a well-informed <laughs> decision. And then let the chips fall where they may. But uh, anyway, on that note, I think it's time for recommendations. So uh, what, what do you got fired away this week? Well, we're, we're hiring a lot of people and we'll have a business update in a couple of weeks uh, where we can uh, give everyone some insight into how Potomac is doing. But along those lines is getting more credit cards and more expense tracking and, and all that fun stuff that we love to, <laughs> yeah. love to hate. And so part of the uh, our package is we use a tool called Expensify and it's an expense submission reimbursement tool. Essentially, everyone... Um, uh, at Potomac, the leadership team at least has a corporate card. Uh, those transactions download. You can submit the report. It's it's it, it organizes everything. It's it's uh, it's ready for your financials to be audited. It's in the right format. It's just a really nice tool. It's it's not that much money, and um, I think it's worth it. Honestly, I know some people who use it as on a personal basis, you know, like if you have a HSA that you want to track reimbursements on or, or just your own financial stuff, you know, Expensify is a good tool for both personal and corporate. Yeah. Good deal. Good deal. Well, I have my, my last, I've done a couple of these recently where I've given a throwback video or a throwback show of some sort. And, and I'm going to do one more and that is the battle of Britain. Again, we're going back to, to like the, the 70s for this, but uh, you can go on YouTube. It's a free, uh, they've got it available for free, the whole movie, uninterrupted. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it's just, I think it's super cool. I'm a graphics guy um, and I love the old, you know, all the, the, the World War II, you know, air battles and things and watching, taking time to watch and see how they did that uh, for the movies, what, what um, I want to say, what skills and, and techniques and things they had for, for trying to put the movie together. I just, I thoroughly enjoyed the movie itself, but also really got a kick out of, out of that throwback. Uh, yeah, no, look at you, sorry, horsey. I, sorry, I fell asleep. <laughs> so. Just listening to the description. Yeah, well, you don't have time to watch TV, so you got four kids. <laughs> also, I was negative. I was negative ten in the seventies. So well, <laughs> that's that's true. That's true. All right. On that note, uh, absolutely. Yep. YouTube the followers, subscribers, clicking the little the little little notification bell, all that fun stuff. Uh, we definitely appreciate it. We enjoy creating content for you, the advisors in this uh, industry to help you learn ways to improve your practice, improve your client experience. And we thank you for all of those, uh, those submissions. So yeah, have a good one. Thank you everyone. All right. Ciao. All opinions expressed by podcast guests are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of Potomac fund management. 
This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Potomac Fund Management may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast.